0: Welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. Today, we'll discuss mastering ourselves so that we can achieve all we want in this life. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian (laughs) (laughs) Gostick. Well, thank you,
1: Chess. You know, we hear this over and over in our work. I want my leader to, yeah, help me become a better or more valuable employee, but also a better person.
0: Well, that's our focus today. And our guest is our friend, Dr. Craig Dowden, who makes a return visit to the podcast. Craig is a doctor of positive psychology, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and an executive coach and thought leader on how to make leadership excellence in everyday practice. His latest book is A Time to Lead, Mastering Yourself, So You Can Master Your World. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. We are delighted to have you back.
2: Thanks so much, Chester and Adrian. It's an absolute pleasure to be back again. So really looking forward to the conversation.
1: Well, you write in your new book uh, about some really interesting ideas. And, and you write this with our, new, with our friend that we've, we've had for quite a while, Alan Mullally, who's the retired CEO of Ford Motor Company. So, so first off, tell us about this collaboration and the premise of the book and uh, what you hope to accomplish here.
2: No, thank you and uh so the 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 big idea behind the book, and it was really inspired, certainly in the early stages of the pandemic, is where, and and in the opening that you talked about, is that, so how can we um, not only survive, thrive during this extraordinary period? And so the primary idea was around great leadership starts with great self-leadership, and really wanted to unpack the qualities that drive our success, and so that we can unlock the success and potential in others. And during that process, uh, one of the things that I hear over and over again is is a lot of times um, business leaders, CEOs, founders, senior executives, they will say, hey, how does this apply within my organization? Or I'm too big or we're too complex a market or all kinds of other things. So my plan was, was to have masterclasses whereby I draw on my coaching experience and other experience to shine a light on how these qualities apply. Well, the universe must have heard me because Alan reached out and and he started to talk about my first book and, and Do Good to Lead Well, and, and we started to have a conversation around positive leadership and just really connected on so many levels. And I let him know about this book that I was working on, and when I thought about it, Who better could be a master teacher, if you will, than Alan Mulally, who's led two of the most globally recognized organizations in the world in Boeing Commercial Airplanes and Ford Motor Company. And I asked him, would he be open to collaborating and talking about how these qualities were integral to his working together management system principles and practices? So I was absolutely thrilled that that he signed on and it's been an absolutely delightful collaboration.
0: Yeah, there's nobody better than Alan Mulally. Um As Adrian mentioned, we've known him for a while. We've been in a couple of his master classes and his humility, his experience, the way he shares his knowledge. He's just so gracious. So good. Good for you, Craig. What, what a delight to have a partner like that. You know, you uh, you talk about in, in one of the chapters in your book, uh, one of the early chapters, actually, about a CEO who approaches her work with a, a really large board. And there's some great lessons in terms of how we frame our situations. Can can you share that with our listeners and framing big boards and and that particular story?
2: For sure. And what I love about this example is that it just has so many life and and, and work lessons for us. So um, Kim Furlong, she's the CEO of the Canadian Venture Capital and Private Equity Association. And so when we were speaking and she was on my podcast, she was talking about how she reports to a board of 40 members four zero. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So most people and CEOs that I coach, you know, navigating a board, maybe it's six, maybe it's 10. She has 40 members. And then so what I love about how she frames that a lot of people would say, okay, wow, I have 40 members who are there who are going to critique me and who can poke holes in what I'm doing and all these kinds of things. And what I love about Kim and her perspective is she flips that and looks at the same situation as saying, I have 40 extraordinarily accomplished executives and individuals on my board who are here to support me and bring out the best in me and my organization. Like, to me, that's such a remarkably powerful lesson in terms of This is the same situation. We can choose to look at it in terms of a massive obstacle to overcome and really enable that fear to undermine our level of engagement or look at it as, wow, look at this phenomenal community of support that I have. And then what's fantastic is, once again, rather than a hindrance whereby Kim is looking to avoid the board. (laughs) Or, you know, really not engaged. Now, what she does is proactively reach out and say, Hey, what's on your mind? How can I best serve you? Really look at it as a collaborative opportunity in a, com- a supportive community. So, I think all of us, when we look at our situations, we have a choice in terms of So, what's our mindset? What's our perspective on this? How can we look at it in a different way? And I think something like that is really instructive for each and every one of us.
1: I love that. That's great. It reminds me of the old office space. You know, I have eight bosses, Bob. Eight bosses, yeah. <laughs> and and I love that idea of reframing this, you know, no, I've got support. I've got people who've got my back, which kind of leads us into this idea that you talk about mastering our emotions. You know, a lot of people use the expression, it's not personal, it's business. So, So does that hold water? And why is mastering our emotions so critical?
2: well and and thank you for picking up on that adrian and and i think what's really critical is is especially as we've come through this pandemic and continue through uh, the pandemic is emotions has become front and center. I mean, your amazing book, Anxiety at Work, you're at the forefront of that conversation. And then also uh, your work in terms of from a culture standpoint and engagement standpoint, that's all around emotion. And I think what's happened is a lot of ways uh, people have attempted to remove emotion from from the work context and work conversation. And we do that to our detriment because engagement's all around feeling connected, feeling connected to each other, feeling connected to the organization, feeling connected to its purpose. And so the more that we can master our emotions, be aware of our triggers, be aware of how we engage when we're at our best and, and, and when we're chal- and when we're feeling challenged. And to me what I love as well is that emotions are invaluable data points. They are letting us know when things are going well and also when things aren't. And what I love is that the entire emotional spectrum is important to us. Sometimes we can over-index on the positive emotions, right, and and, and what's been popularly framed toxic positivity I feel that whole range of emotions is vital and so we want to not limit or avoid those negative emotions we want to learn from them because basically it's our heart our mind our body's way of letting us know things are off and it requires attention
0: you know I, I think Alan brings such a insight into that as well the way he Reframes things the way he embraces difficulty, the way he brings people around to solve the problem, and yeah, it's always interesting to me that Alan would never say, "Wow, that's really a kick in the kick in the head." You know, it's it's kind of like, "Wow, look at this opportunity we've got here." It's um, it's unnerving in a lot of ways. Actually, <laughs> I find it people who can, <laughs> can 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 handle their emotions like that. You know, it, which brings us to resilience you know, uh, which falls very close to our book on anxiety at work. Talk to us about the importance of, of, of resilience uh, that you've discovered the insights in your research and, and your interviews.
2: Well, it's such an interconnected space and, and and you're absolutely right, Chester. And one of the things to me, one of the most profound insights that I've come across is the Center for Creative Leadership and their differentiation between pressure and stress. So they ...represent pressure as the extent of the demands that our external environment places on us. And then stress is our internal manifestation of our belief in our ability to deal with those demands... And what I find is so provocative and instructive about that separation is now what it shows is that pressure is external, stress is internal. So how we look at things and then it unlocks a pathway for a more constructive, a more positive future whereby, okay, where are the areas of my life where I'm feeling under resourced? And now I start to ask questions around, so what steps do I need to take to address that? Is it through taking a course, reading a book, listen to amazing podcasts like yours, Uh, you know, leaning into my community and and people that I know, my friends, my family, my colleagues. So I love that resource-based approach to resiliency because it's something that's going to become more or not less important and it's really around we all have different areas of life that we're managing and so what supports do we need to be at our best.
1: You know, that, that idea of support is, is huge. Yeah, we've got to build up a support network that will actually understand and, and support us. You know, we've said before that, you know, somebody will say, well, you know, I talked to my mom about this and she just doesn't get it. And well, stop <laughs> talking to your mom. Find somebody else. Talk to your mom about something else. It's OK. Um, so, OK, by the way, Craig, before we get into my next question, how can people learn more about your work? Where would you point them?
2: I would say go to the website, com is a great way to do it. Uh, I also have a Do Good to Lead Well podcast available on Spotify and Amazon so they can check it out. And uh, Chester was one of my amazing guests as well, so happy to have them find us there. So...
1: I hope you got him out of his shell, the poor guy. It was quite a, it was a tough go, but I uh, somehow, yeah, yeah, that's good. I was
2: able to pull it out.
1: Yeah. Hey, um, speaking of strengths, um, you know, one of the things you talk about is mastering our strengths. So so there's a push and pull there, you know. So what role do strengths play in resilience and managing our anxiety at work? And, you know, how do you know when you're going too far into your strengths versus not? So walk us through that whole idea.
2: You no, know, it's uh, and thank you for asking that. And and strengths. One of my favorite or my favorite definition of strength is that it's a natural talent that we've invested time and energy to develop into a strength. And so these are things that come naturally to us. And so the Gallup organization has done a lot of work around that as well, um, as as have um, as a you both in, in in this idea. And I think what's critical what's critical around this is that the more we use our strengths every day, the more engaged we are. The more resilient we are, the more collaborative we are, which makes sense if I'm tapping into my core talents and the things that drive me and bring me energy. Well, that would make sense that I'd be buffered against the pressure that I'm feeling my external environment. And I think one of the really interesting lessons for each of us as well, both as individuals as well as, and in particular for leaders, is that in some cases what I found, especially during times of crisis, and I imagine you both see this as well, is where, okay, all hands on deck, and then we start to randomly assign people to, well, you got to go over here. you got to go over and help this division, this department, this project. And the missing ingredient in that is, Talking to Craig and saying, Hey, Craig, like, how do you feel you can best support our team right now during this challenging period? What strengths do you see that you possess that you can bring to the table that can really bolster us? And what's fantastic about that conversation is now not only are we getting much needed support, we're also really engaging the full potential of the individual because during times of stress and challenge the thing we most want is a more more feeling of control and influence so by actually taking someone and putting them somewhere else where they're not tapping into their strengths can really undermine their resiliency and uh, elevate their anxiety at work
0: so so that's an interesting conversation right you're talking to people about their strengths how can they help Talk to us about those difficult conversations that you have to have, right? And that, that are particularly tough for people that suffer from anxiety, let alone the rest of us. Well, what insights can you share around having those tough conversations?
2: Well, and, and it's such an important point, and I would say certainly as we've navigated this extraordinary period, it's opened the door for more and more of these conversations, and especially where, as you rightly point out, that anxiety is higher. So what are some of the really critical success strategies we can use? And I would say one of the most powerful and straightforward is prepare, prepare, prepare. What's really interesting is, and and I've uh, looked at a lot of work in this space, is for many of us, we can not prepare for these conversations. We kind of, we have that feeling, we have that emotion, and then we show up and, and wing it, for lack of a better term. And so really being clear around, asking ourselves some anchoring questions like, what do I really want out of this conversation? What do I really want for the other person out of this conversation? How would I behave if I, wanted, if I truly wanted those outcomes? And this is very powerful in terms of providing us with a script, if you will, centering us to ensure we have the appropriate mindset, the, uh, the appropriate emotion around it. And the other thing that I would say, and, and I love the setup, Chester, that you provided, is around the, how important it is to intervene early. A lot of times it's it's that classic idea of see something, say something. So as soon as something comes up, it's vital for us to step in when it's smaller because it's just like the medical intervention, right? In the medical research and, and medical sciences, if there's a symptom there address it early before it becomes complicated almost you know too big to manage and so the longer we leave it uh, unaddressed well now guess what's going to happen our anxiety is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and then we're going to be less and less and less likely to engage in that conversation which is critical so let's talk about it early let's prepare and and start that conversation.
1: You know, and I like that you're calling it a conversation versus I'm, you know, telling you something, a dialogue. And that's a, a lot of managers do that, right? Where it's, let me tell you something, Craig, uh, when you are working with customers, you need to do that, right? And, and what happens in a conversation, there's some actual back and forth, isn't there?
2: yes absolutely well and and it is uh, to your point about it's more or we need to talk or look those kinds of things <laughs> <Yeah>. which really <laughs> shut things down yeah. and i love that you're pointing this out adrian in terms of it's a two-way dialogue it's a two-way yeah. conversation let's both exhibit some curiosity here mm-hmm. we each have invaluable insights to share on this uh situation this opportunity this challenge and so the less we engage fully with the other person and truly make it a conversation and dialogue, well, now it's just going to be one way. And how are we really going to unlock what any challenges are once again? And it can create a situation where there's more anxiety attached to it rather than less because the person in your pointing out a perfect example, Adrian, where it's they're coming in with all their assumptions and value judgments about the other person, which can really once again disengage them quickly and make make them feel really anxious about the, the whole situation.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how much listening can do in our organizations, whether for our anxiety or for just overall engagement. So, so Craig, as as you, you know, you got a new book launching, you got a lot of stress in your life, you talk about (laughs) those pressures, but it's also equating probably to some stress. So walk us through your daily practices to keep your mental fitness.
2: Yeah, I guess one of the the fun things is is that uh, I have to be careful. One of my favorite expressions is take my advice because I won't use it anyways. (laughs) So (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> I'm glad that Adrian that you called me out um and and I think it's an important piece every single day. So prioritizing time for family and friends absolutely critical, and having those conversations because that's something that's energizing to me. Uh, I have two awesome English bulldogs that have tons of personality, and so get out to to walk and play play with them, and so that's an opportunity to disconnect. Also I had the, the fortune and, and took the motivators assessment. So uh you know, and that's something for that both of you are intimately familiar with. And 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 all seriousness, it's around so what motivates me? What drives me? Well, my top motivators developing others, learning, impact and creativity. So one of the things that I find is that, well, I want and I need to make time for that. So I listen to a podcast, I read a book, I engage in a learning conversation. These are all things that are tremendously resilience building for me. And when I lose sight on it, because we all do, and I do, and if I have a couple of days where I'm off, what have I learned? I'm not learning, I'm not developing, engaged in those development conversations, I'm not thinking creatively, and then it's a great sign for me to get back to the core, to get back to what matters.
0: Yeah, isn't it interesting, more and more as we're talking to people, those family connections. Um, I'm listening to a great audio book about happiness, and they give you a checklist, and it's really interesting. One uh, uh, One of the questions they ask you is, Do you own a dog? Apparently, owning a dog is like, and you've got two, so you've doubled down on (laughs) the- He's twice as happy, yeah. (laughs) That's right, the the dog happiness factor. Hey, uh, really fun to talk with you again, Craig. Uh, Love having you in our lives and, and the book that you're writing and the connections you've got. If there were two things you wanted people to take away from the conversation today, what would those two things be?
2: Well, and thank you. This has been an absolute blast. I always enjoy our conversations. I learn a lot through the process and having the opportunity uh, to connect with you both. And I would say, and I'm going to build on um, what Adrian shared earlier, and, and I will use it to have the two things. It's listening. I think listening to others and listening to self. That is a vital skill, and especially in a world where it can be very easy to talk, 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 and just have a unidirectional form of communication. And so what we want to be able to do is pick up on those signals pick up on what's out there and truly listen put away our distractions put away our assumptions operate with an uh, an aura of curiosity so that we can better understand the people around us and it doesn't mean we have to agree with their perspective it's essential that we understand though in order for us to move forward and for us to be working together most effectively and the same goes for ourselves Listen to ourselves, listen to our triggers, listen to when we're in a great space, what are we doing? Who are we with? How do we replicate that? And same thing, well, if things aren't going as well today, just the example I provided, what's up? What am I not doing? What am I doing? And how can I course correct? So that ability to listen in a world filled with talking, I think is absolutely vital and it goes both ways.
0: Great advice. Great advice. Well, listen, thanks so much for taking the time for us. Uh, We really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with our followers and our listeners. Hope you have a healthy and happy dog-filled day for the rest of your day there, Craig.
2: Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Really appreciate it.
0: Adrian, you know, always kind of fun to have friends come back, you know, Mm -hmm. to have Craig come back. And this wonderful book he's working on with our Other good friend, Ellen Mullally. So tell me, uh, what were some of the key takeaways? What resonated with you in the conversation? It was
1: actually quite a bit, you know, starting with, uh, you know, I got 40 bosses versus, no, I got this community of support, reframing how we're thinking, which also leads, you know, to one of the things that, you know, that Craig's saying is like, you can't remove emotion from work. Uh, we tend to do that, right? Leave your personal life at the door. We can't do that anymore. Uh, people want to bring, especially our younger employees, want to bring their whole selves. So, so how do we do that? How do we allow them uh, to process what they're feeling emotionally?
0: Uh, that was a, uh, really struck me as well, is how you reframe things. And, and, and when he brought Ellen into the conversation, you and I have seen Ellen do this and the word that really popped out to me there was around emotions is curiosity be curious about what's going on and that takes a little bit of the stress and anxiety away and brings more of that learning part of your brain into that conversation yeah i don't know if i could ever have 40 people on my board i (laughs) i you know i have a tough time remembering the names of my four kids let alone 40 board members and yet again, you know, look at the advantage. I'm surrounded by 40 amazing people that are here to support me. Right. And that word of support,
1: yeah, which I think is yeah. key, right? Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, if you don't know Alan, um, Allen saved the Ford Motor Company. Came in 2006. They're about, just about to go bankrupt. And Alan, you know, literally saved one of American icons uh, from going bankrupt, uh, turned them around, retired nine years later. The company uh, just had this, you know, Saul on the the road to Damascus kind of transformation, right? So so let's get into a little bit. I, a couple more things that um, Craig talked about was this idea of, of strengths. If you can use your strengths, aren't you going to be more engaged? Well, of course. And what a, what a great question to ask. You know, what strengths can you bring to help the team? And he mentioned our motivators assessment, which we worked on for many years, built with a team of
0: psychologists. We'll also ask people what they like to do as well, right? Yeah, how can you help? You know, when he said, you know, we bring everybody together and we make these random assignments. We've all been in those meetings, you know, and then afterwards, hey, can I trade with you? I hate doing this. That open conversation and and one on one where he says, where do you think you can add the most value? The other thing that jumped out on me was pressure versus stress. Mm -hmm. Pressure being external, stress being internal. And how do you manage that uh, internal stress? And how do you tie it to resilience? It was really a simple formula that really resonated with me. How about you? Absolutely.
1: I like that a lot. And how much pressure do we add as managers when, for example, we always have to have difficult conversations. Um, And what he was saying was, like, prepare for it. Don't just wing it because we tend to do that. (laughs) And and ask some anchoring questions. You know, what do I want to get out of this conversation? Um, But also, how can I make it a conversation? How can I listen? How can I... Can I see with curiosity what's going on? Because maybe what I'm seeing is not complete reality.
0: Well, and the thing, the reason I think we wing it is because they're conversations that we put off and put off and put off because we don't want to have them, right? So we have okay, I finally got to have it. Just come on in and let's, let's, let's do this. And so we do very little preparation, which ties into what Elsie said is have the conversation early. You know, we postpone it, we procrastinate, we don't want to do it, and then the problem what it just gets worse and worse and worse. So, that discipline around let me take a minute. What do I want to get out of this conversation? How am I going to approach it? Let me prepare for it, and let me do it right away. It's kind of like you know, rip the bandaid off. <laughs> don't uh, don't do it uh, bit by bit by bit. Yeah. And lastly, well, I, well
1: lastly, I, I think the one last point is this idea of listening, right? That um, I think is really important. As as I like what he said, we're in a world full of talking and uh, everybody thinks they're right whether you know politically or or you know on many other spectrums that could even more charge than politically we all think we're right and and are we just going to listen a little bit my old dad used to tell a story about uh, you know when he was at rolls royce he says one of his first jobs when he was a young engineer was to walk around one of this really important guy from rolls royce and uh and there was a the guy on the shop floor, and they, they called him Sweeps, and he pushed the broom, you know. And Sweeps saw this really important man being taken on the tour, so he ran over there, and he wanted to tell him something. And he tells this long story. My dad was getting more and more embarrassed. He's in his early 20s, and he's, you know, he says, Sweeps, Sweeps, we don't have time for this. And that important man from Rolls-Royce said, Gordon, and he says, uh, you always listen. Because there's ah. wisdom in everything that you hear. And he said he stood there for 15 minutes and listened to this guy. And as they walked away, he says, you know what I picked up? This, this, and this. And uh, yeah. and, and so that's the point is we always listen. No matter if whether we agree or not, there's always something to learn.
0: Yeah, and the back half of that is listen to yourself as well. Yeah. I, and I thought that was very insightful. You know, listen to your body. Do you need a little more sleep? Do you need a little more time? Do you need to maybe, you know, reframe this situation a little differently? Um, you know, take listen to yourself as well. I think so often we think, oh, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, I'm a giver. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't take the time to step back and say, hey, maybe, you know, maybe it'd be good for me to, like, eat <laughs> every now and again. <laughs> or sleep. <laughs> <laughs> or sleep or go for a walk. Well, Craig Dowden, he's got a wonderful book coming out, this um a Time to Lead, Mastering Yourself So You Can Master Your World. I'm sure it's available on Amazon, fine bookstores, everywhere. Treat yourself to a copy, as you should treat yourself to a copy of our wonderful book, Anxiety at Work. And this is the part, Adrian, where you so brilliantly oh. thank everybody that supports <laughs> us. Well, we so have had a had
1: lot it. of thinking to do. We want to thank Print Klein, who's our producer, Christy Lawrence, who books amazing guests, and all of you who listen in. If you like the podcast, please download it, share it, And we'd also love you to join our online community at thecultureworks.ai, where we're creating a safe place to talk about anxiety and mental health at work.
0: Yeah, and if you uh, are looking for some great speakers, I know two. Uh, One would be Adrian, and the other would be me. Whether it's in person or virtual, we love to talk on topics like wellness, resiliency, anxiety, culture, and of course, one of our favorite subjects, how gratitude plays a, a big role in all of those. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your next event. And having said that, Adrian, the big finish, as you always say, is...
1: Well, we want to thank you for joining us again. And until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.